All right, I want to talk uh, about uh, the return of Jesus Christ this morning and go through a few scriptures on that um, particular thought. So we might start off in Matthew chapter 24. Uh, The idea of the return of Jesus Christ has sort of become, in a lot of churches, unfortunately, um, particularly, I suppose, the mainline churches down throughout uh, uh, the last few hundred years, sort of dropped out of the picture and... um, People came to believe maybe the the middle um, or the uh, middle ages sort of idea that uh, people died and either went to directly to heaven or directly to to hell, and uh, there wasn't really much uh, need to think about the return of Jesus Christ. And people, I suppose, many people sort of consider that's how Christianity works: that you a good person during your life, and uh, then you go to heaven. And the whole idea of Jesus coming back doesn't uh, really sort of fit into the scheme of things. Um, But we find in the Bible that the promise of eternal life that the Lord talked about is very much tied up with the return of Christ and uh, the resurrection at that time or the transformation of people who have followed Jesus Christ. And of course, it is uh, what the Bible calls the time of Jesus Christ coming to set up his kingdom upon the earth. We talked a little bit about that in the slides on Wednesday night. Um, but it is uh, it is very much all tied up together with these things. And uh, really the, the great hope of the early disciples and the early church was looking for the return of Jesus Christ. Um, we're not actually going to turn to the passage, but at the beginning of the book of Acts it talks about the disciples being with Jesus. He led them up uh, to the Mount of Olives and he ascended up into heaven. It says that he was parted from them and received up into the clouds. And while they were watching, a couple of angels appeared to them and said, Why are you looking up into heaven? And uh, this same Jesus that you've seen go will come again in like manner. And uh, so they had, uh, they were given a job to do, and they were asked to wait in Jerusalem to receive the Holy Spirit. And then they would go out and be witnesses, and they would tell people about the coming kingdom of God and uh, the return of Jesus Christ. So they saw him leave, and they were told in no uncertain terms by Jesus himself and, uh, and by the angels there that Jesus Christ was to return. And that was the great hope of the church and still is for those who uh, read their Bible and see uh, that is what the Bible is, uh, is uh, the whole message of the Bible and what it's talking about. So Matthew chapter 24 and verse 3, uh, we see a passage here which appears uh, similarly in, uh, in Mark and Luke. It says, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? If I just read that in the Amplified Version, it says, While he was seated on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will this take place, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end, the completion, the consummation of the age? So um, we're talking here about not the the uh, end of the world in the sense that it all comes to a, a conclusion and there is no more world. Um, the phrase means the end of the age. And the Lord talks about the end of this age and the kingdoms of this world and then the new beginning, which is his kingdom, being set up upon the earth with the return of Jesus Christ and um, uh, new heavens and new earth, it says, wherein dwells righteousness. A new order and a new state of things under the rule and reign of Jesus Christ and his saints. And that is what the prophecies foretell in places like the book of Daniel and uh, elsewhere in the Old Testament. 
um, the times of the Messiah when he comes, and the millennium it talks about, and the wonderful things that are going to happen. The world will be a very changed place. So the disciples wondered about some of the things the Lord uh, spoke of here. In particular, the Lord had uh, mentioned there that uh, the, the great temple that they were looking at was going to be thrown down. And uh, so they said, what will be the sign of your coming and uh, of the end of the world, as well as when will these other things be that you've spoken about? So the Lord went on to describe a whole lot of things. I'm not going to go through the whole chapter at this point, but we'll go down to verse 14. He talks about great uh, trouble and great tribulation. He talks about nations rising against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms and all sorts of uh, terrible things happening. Um, which was going to take place uh, over, uh, as we now know, at least 2,000 years uh, before his return. Down in verse 14, Jesus said, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So the end of this age was going to come after the gospel had been taken out, and it is the gospel of the kingdom, it says there. Um, so the good news, the teaching is that the kingdom of Jesus Christ is coming, that he is returning, uh, that he is setting that up upon the earth, and um, they were to go out to preach these things and uh, all that goes with it and how to obtain salvation, how to enter into the kingdom of God through being born again of water and the spirit and uh, all the the aspects there of what Jesus did uh, to make all that possible. So they were to take the gospel out, the gospel of the kingdom, uh, preach it out through, throughout all the world, and it would become a witness. It doesn't say that every single person would receive this message, but it does say that it would be preached uh, throughout the world as a witness to the nations, and then the end of the age will come. So we go down a little bit further, down to verse 25, and uh, maybe more talking uh, directly about the return of Jesus Christ. And uh, <coughs> it says there in verse 25, um, behold, Jesus speaking, behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. So he was warning them of the various false teachers and false Christs and false prophets that would arise during the time between his first coming and his second coming. And uh, we've only got to look into history and look into the world today to see such things are there. Um, verse 27 for as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. And immediately after the tribulation of those days, that what he's referring to there is the tribulation that he's already described and the, the things that would happen in history. And uh, he says there, including a lot of persecution, he says, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. And uh, then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So when Jesus Christ returns, this is going to be a very different situation than it was the first time. He is not coming again as a child, as a baby. Uh, he is not coming to uh, die for the sins of the people. He is not coming to be persecuted and suffer many things. He is coming in a totally different situation. This time he comes as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, as it says in the uh, vision in, in Revelation. 
they will see the Son of Man. It will be like the lightning from one end of the heaven to the other. It will be a visible event. It will be something that nobody will be able to deny. There will be no question of whether he's uh, some secret place in the in the uh, secret chambers or whether he's in, in the desert somewhere or waiting to be revealed. And uh, down throughout, uh, well, even in the last few decades, there have been a number of people who have claimed that Jesus Christ uh, sometimes you see it, and you know, in a few um, news articles and things, who have claimed that Jesus Christ is already upon the earth and he's just waiting to reveal himself. And uh, various religions have uh, uh, their own uh, supposed messiahs, who sometimes we are told they're actually around, but they're just waiting for the right moment to reveal themselves. And uh, they're going to go. I, I heard about one some decades ago, and he was uh, supposedly going to reveal himself on. Um, on uh, international television within a couple of months and a big hoo-ha all about that. But if he did so, nobody really took much notice. Um, they got, must have got lost amongst the adverts or something um, because certainly he hasn't returned. So um, we see here it's, very, it's going to be a very evident thing and, as it says, with power and great glory. So very bright, very clear, very... Uh, clear to everybody what's happening and with great power. And it says in verse 31, And he shall send his angels uh, with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from the one end of heaven uh, to the other. And he goes on to just uh, remind people that uh, when you start to see the beginnings of some of these troubles uh, that he specifically mentioned there, uh, that they should understand um, that the kingdom is very near. So that is uh, what is to happen. Down, we'll read a little bit further, I think, down in verse 44. Uh, just a warning. Jesus goes through and he, he warns that, you know, there will be some people who will be left behind. There will be some people who will be uh, get rising up uh, to meet him in the air. And uh, he warns everybody to watch. And in verse 44, or verse 42 we could read, Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. And down in verse 44, he says, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. And we know that uh, Jesus said, No man knows the day or the hour of his return, uh, but only the Father, was what he told the disciples. And uh, my father used to tell people uh, from time to time, if he wanted to catch their attention, that you know the scripture says that nobody knows the day or the hour when Jesus is going to return, but he said, I know exactly the day, and I know exactly the hour. And uh, then he would quote the scriptures say that he is coming back in a day when you're unaware and he's coming back at an hour when you think not. And uh, again, the thought is that we don't know and for the last 2,000 years the church has been in expectation. The prophecies, as we saw uh, just the other night, do give us, as we look into these things and over those uh, couple of thousand years, have given uh, people light and understanding as time has gone on. Uh, to recognise uh, that there were various things that had to happen. A lot of them actually mentioned here in Matthew 24. So we go to um, Luke chapter 21, uh, where there is a similar passage, a similar record of some of the sayings of Jesus at this time. So Luke 21 and verse 24.
We read there, Jesus again, um, mentioning that there would be great distress and persecution, particularly Jerusalem would be destroyed. In verse 24 it says, And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Now this uh, very uh, clearly came to pass uh, about 40 years after Jesus died upon the cross. Um, the Romans came in and they destroyed the temple. They destroyed Jerusalem. And uh, eventually over some period there as there was resistance from the Jews, they banished the Jews from the land of Israel and they were spread out into the rest of the empire. And uh, for the last couple of thousand years, uh, Jerusalem has been trodden down of the other nations and occupied by other forces like the uh, the Islamic empires, the Saracens and, and the Ottomans and other people. Um, right up until the First World War, when people were expecting, those who had looked into prophecy, uh, were expecting that it was time for Jerusalem to be delivered and indeed it was in 1917. And as the British and the, the Aussies and the Kiwis soldiers and the Canadians, other people went through there and um, it was delivered into their hand. And uh, as we know now, uh, Israel has been re-established and the Jews have returned to their own land, which again was all part of the prophecy. So these were the things that would happen towards the end, just towards the end, uh, before the Lord's return. And verse 25, it says there, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity, of the sea and the waves roaring. So it's going to be a mess, it's going to be uh, trouble, and um, certainly in the last few years we have seen, um, after a relative time of peace, um, when I was uh, younger and uh, being brought up in the Lord, uh, back then, the Soviet Union was still in power until the late 80s, and there were, you know, there was constant um, danger of war, and there were constant wars as well between the Arabs and uh, Israel, and there was, you know, the, the constant threat of nuclear war was always there. It was very real. We talked about it all the time. It was in the papers all the time. Then we saw the fall of Soviet Russia. And uh, we saw uh, sort of a, a time of where things sort of went onto the back burner a bit as far as the threat of nuclear war. And though, although the threat was still there and the missiles and things were all still very real and still still there, um, politically things seemed to calm down quite a bit. And uh, I remember the, the change that happened uh, when that happened. I remember as we were preparing to um, get a Christmas camp together um, one year and uh, we were loading up, I think, the groceries for the Christmas camp and we heard that the uh, basically the Soviet Union had um, had fallen and the walls were coming down uh, <coughs> in various places there. Um, but in recent years, as we know, that whole thing has heated up again and right at this very moment we're seeing uh, the US and Russia at loggerheads, again with other nations, and uh, the Middle East is a complete and utter mess. And uh, not only the Middle East, but uh, Asia and various other places around the world, things are really heating up. And there is distress of nations, uh, as it says, with perplexity. So for all our great wisdom and um, our increase supposedly in civilization and, and civilized practices and beliefs and everything else, we seem to be in a lot worse state 
than we've uh, been for a very long time. So that's how it was to be before the end. And in verse 26 it says, Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. Again, talking about great powers and great things that are going to happen. And in verse 27 it says, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Uh, And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. So again, a warning that we should uh, look and be ready. Down in verse 34, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come upon all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. And uh, again, I mentioned at the beginning of this talk that a lot of the churches, you know, over the over the um, over the years or over the centuries, what was called the Christian Church, sort of grew out of believing in the actual return, the literal return of Jesus Christ. And as I say, got more into the sort of state that maybe that was somewhere off tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of years in the future, uh, if it was ever going to happen literally, and uh, that people just had to live on this life and uh, and get their salvation and die and then go to heaven or hell um, in that way. And uh, that whole sort of scene of the Lord coming back to establish his kingdom sort of dropped out of things. But if it has dropped out of things in the religious view, it has certainly dropped out of uh, sight in the world's view. The world just does not comprehend this thought at all that um, we are waiting for a change, the end of the age and the return of Jesus Christ. It doesn't even enter their thinking that such a thing could or will happen and uh, yet all the signs are that it's going to happen very quickly. But as it says there in verse 35, as a snare it shall come on all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. It will be a total and utter shock. It's not that they haven't heard about these things, not that people haven't preached these things or haven't talked about these things or haven't talked about the return of Jesus Christ, but it is in no way to most people, it is a total and utter fairy story. It is not going to happen. It is something that's, you know, just some religious idea and uh, no way. They're thinking about uh, how we're going to transform the world ourselves and we're going to, you know, use science and we're going to use uh, maybe our, our philosophies and our way of thinking and our changes to, to the world situation and we're going to transform the world. Occasionally they get a little bit worried and they wonder about what's going to happen when we start building robots which might be cleverer than us or, or we start developing, um, you know, genetic engineering to the point where uh, we, we may no longer be human and they sort of wonder about all the things that might happen with technology and these sorts of things. But uh, the whole thought that Jesus is going to come in and interrupt totally man's way of thinking and man's way of doing things and uh, totally mess up, if you like, the governments of this world and change everything, that doesn't even come into their comprehension. But the Lord says it will happen. In verse 36, Watch ye therefore and pray always that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So the Lord's coming back. Uh, We will have to stand before him, whether we like it or not. And he says, make sure that you're ready, that you'll be accounted worthy to escape all these things. So he indicates, and there are many parables that indicate that what is going to come, even though it is uh, 
after his return is going to set everything right and restore all things and um, change the world completely for good. Um, nevertheless, there is going to become there is going to be a great amount of destruction and some pretty horrible things that will happen uh, when he returns. Now we've already seen the 20th century and some very horrible things happen in this world in the form of a couple of world wars for for a start. Um, but the Lord indicates that uh, this return that's going to happen with Jesus Christ uh, is going to see a lot worse things happen. Um, we'll go to Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. After Jesus rose from the dead and then he ascended, as we talked about, into heaven, he told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and they would then be witnesses to the rest of the world. They received the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, speaking in tongues, and they then went out, they preached the gospel and they baptised people in water and saw them receive the Holy Spirit. And as they began to go around and to preach these things, um, they stirred up a lot of people and uh, a lot of people began to respond to the preaching of the gospel. And we read here in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, one of the early occasions just after the day of Pentecost, Peter and John went into the temple and there was a lame man there and uh, he asked for some help and they said, well, we, we can help you by uh, giving you what, uh, what Jesus Christ can give you. And uh, they um, saw him uh, raised up and he was healed and he started uh, walking with them and leaping and and uh, cheering and everything else. Um, and the people in the temple knew the man and they saw the healing and they wondered what had happened. So Peter and John began to preach to them. And they said in verse 19, uh, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ which before was preached unto you whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So Peter said, look, Jesus Christ has gone into heaven and he must remain there <clears throat> until the times of restitution. Uh, the restitution, uh, which basically means putting the world, uh, according to Webster's Dictionary, uh, putting the world into a holy and happy state. And that's the meaning of this particular word here in Acts chapter 3. So when it comes to the time where the Lord is going to restore all things and put everything back into order and into a happy state and into a holy state, uh, that is the time of his return. That's what he's going to do. But until that time, he will remain in heaven and will not appear again upon the earth. As it says there that um, this time of restitution is something that God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since time began. And again, you can look at uh, Jeremiah and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and, and uh, the prophets in the Old Testament there and they will go through the, the things that are going to happen and they will talk about the restoration of all things. And part of that restoration that we've just seen in the book of uh, Luke was that Jerusalem would be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times came when the Gentiles' time was fulfilled. It was now time to, uh, as the Bible says, the set time, the time to favour Zion and the things would start to change. So we've seen the beginnings of those things and we've seen great trouble and strife with the, the wars that have happened. But uh, the climax is yet to come. <clears throat> 
Um, in Hebrews 9, we won't turn there, but it says, uh, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. So Jesus came the first time to make the way possible for people to enter into the kingdom of God and to respond to the word of God and a time of grace and amnesty uh, during the last 2,000 years where the Lord has tried to let the whole world know what he's doing and um, and make it clear that he is returning and to give people the chance to respond. But ultimately, uh, as the scripture says, there will be few that will respond. And uh, once the door is shut, uh, the Lord returns and sorts things out. We go over to First Thessalonians. The Apostle Paul talks a bit, quite a bit, of course, about the return of Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians 4 and verse 15. And we read there, he says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent uh, them which are asleep, talking about those who have died in Christ. He says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. He was comforting people uh, <coughs> who may be sorrowing over those who had fallen asleep in Christ or who had died um, in the Lord. And he was saying, look, uh, don't be concerned. You know, our whole belief is that they will be resurrected and that we will be changed uh, when um, when the Lord returns. And uh, quite literally, they will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, as will those who are alive and remain. Uh, if we just go over to the next chapter, the next few verses there, <coughs> he continues on. And he says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. So he said, but ye brethren um, are not in darkness that that day uh, should overtake you as a thief. (coughs) So because we have the light and the understanding of these things and we recognize and we believe the word that God has spoken there, it shouldn't be a surprise to us. We should be ready for it. And uh, again, though, he says, as far as the world is concerned, um, there will come a time where they say peace and security, peace and safety, um, but then sudden destruction comes upon them. And uh, it is something the world uh, will not escape. So these are the things that are, uh, it talks about will happen at the return of Christ. Over in Second Thessalonians, in chapter 1, again the next chapter over, and uh, down in verse 7, <clears throat> Paul talks again about the return of Jesus Christ. He says, uh, and talks about the tribulation that the saints were going through. He said, To you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Again, as we recognize, as Jesus said, he would return with power and great glory. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who should be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord 
and from the glory of his power uh, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints. So <clears throat> again indicates that there is it's quite a uh, it's quite a major day. There's quite a lot happening here, and uh, there is destruction. There is a great trouble before the Lord sorts everything out. He comes back to remove those who have resisted, to remove those who are not going to change. And uh, again, the Lord has given us at least 2,000 years uh, and the gospel has gone forth and we've seen prophecies unfold and the evidence is there for those who care to look into things. Uh, Back in Matthew chapter 13, verse 40, Again, we're just flicking through a few different passages here and and, um, showing how they correspond. Jesus here is talking about the parable of the tares and the wheat um, and uh, talking about during this age that there would be, um, there would be, if you like, true Christians and false Christians. And uh, he said eventually they get sorted out at the end, at the harvest. And in verse 40 he said, As therefore the tares, or the weeds, are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world, or the end of this age. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire, there shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And then shall the righteous shine forth uh, as the sun in the kingdom of their Father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. So he was really emphasising this point. Uh, you know, if you've got ears to hear it, then you make sure that you take note of these things. So again, there is a time where the Lord returns. He comes to collect his wheat, to collect his harvest. But it's also a time of destruction of the tears. And he says there that the angels are sent forth and uh, he is now establishing his kingdom. But in that kingdom where the presence of the Lord is, first there needs to be a cleansing and uh, these are not pleasant thoughts that uh, the Lord is coming to, as it says, to remove from his kingdom and his world all things that offend and them which do iniquity. And when the Lord comes into the individual, he says he must remove the sin. He must cleanse us so that God can come and dwell in us. God is holy and he's not going to dwell in a, in a situation which is unholy. And uh, so the Lord comes in, he burns out the rubbish, he sends the Holy Spirit and fire within us, he cleans us out, and he then dwells with us. The Spirit of Christ is dwelling in us. And uh, the Lord has to do the same thing with the world. And if he's going to live in the individual, he does it that way. If he's going to uh, live in this world and uh, be in union with mankind in a much more direct way, he must first uh, purge it of the iniquity. So these are fairly serious things to be talking about here, and the Lord uses language which is very drastic, you know, burning the tears in the fire, and he's coming back in flaming vengeance upon those that disobey the gospel of Jesus Christ. So <clears throat> there's no question that this is a day uh, that will be um, not something that will just be overlooked or come up sort of uh, third place in the in the news or something of that nature. Um, but it will be uh, something obvious, very obvious to all, which is going to disrupt the world very much. Um, <clears throat> it says there in, uh, we read that in verse 43, 
At that time, it says, the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. In uh, the book of Daniel, I won't uh, turn to it, but I'll just read you a couple of verses there. It says at that time that many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. So what it's getting at there is that at that time, it's when the truth is revealed and suddenly everybody realises that, okay, what these people were saying was true, the Bible was true, and it actually said that Jesus was going to return when he was going to set up his kingdom and when iniquity would be judged. And uh, it says those, those that will maybe despised for saying these things, suddenly they are recognised as being the ones that really had the truth. And uh, they are then promoted, it says, to glory. And uh, it talks about us uh, ruling and reigning with Jesus Christ if we are counted worthy in that day. And uh, so they, uh, the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the new kingdom. Uh, in Daniel, it talks about them shining as the brightness of the ferment or like the stars forever and ever. Uh, also in the book of Daniel, in Daniel 7, it says, uh, in one of the visions to do with the return of Jesus Christ, <coughs> and of course this is uh, a prophecy before the first coming of Jesus Christ, it says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. So we see here there is one uh, called uh, like the Son of Man, so one individual, he came with the clouds of heaven and they brought him to the Ancient of Days, which was God, the Father. And it says, and they brought him near before him. So we very much have two, uh, two people we're talking about here in that sense. Uh, we have God and we have the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. And in verse 14 it says, and there was given him, that is the Father gave the Son of Man, uh, dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. So again, that is an Old Testament prophecy of what Jesus is talking about here of his return. And again, a bit further down it says, And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. So <coughs> this is... Um, this is world-changing stuff. This is, you know, history. We'll never know another time like this. And, uh, again, that is our great hope. Um, a lot of people say, you know, we um, had it said recently that, you know, as a, as a church, you sort of should be more like the community or more in the community. Well, the whole message of the Bible is that the community, what is called the community of this world, is going to perish. And uh, we are called out of that community, um, which again is not a very politically correct thing to say these days, but it is the fact. The Lord is saying this world is headed for destruction. It's going down the broad way that leads to destruction. It's not following Jesus Christ. It's not looking for the return of Jesus Christ. It doesn't believe in the first coming of Jesus Christ. It doesn't believe that it needs to have its sins washed away or that it is a, king, a world in iniquity. Um, but uh, again... Um, as far as the Lord is concerned, that is exactly what's going to happen. So the world is going to be uh, in total shock when these things happen. Um, 
finishing up here. We'll go to um, uh, Second Peter, just very quickly. Second Peter, chapter three. Very hard to talk about the return of the Lord without looking at this one. Um, chapter three and verse three it says there, knowing this first, uh, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So there'll be a lot of people, it says, in the last days who will be mocking at these things and saying, well, you know, where is this supposed second coming of Jesus Christ? Everything continues as it has, and uh, in their eyes it will continue that way forever. And uh, the Lord goes on to uh, remind them of a few things that have already happened. Um, But down in verse... (coughs) Um, 8 there, or down to verse 7 it says, But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and, and destruction of ungodly men. Which is what the word perdition means. We don't use that word very much these days. Um, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So Peter maybe through the Holy Spirit there, is giving us an indication that these things were not going to happen immediately. And again, we've seen 2,000 years pass. In verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he's given the world a time of amnesty and a time of grace. But it is not something that goes on forever. It has a set period. And again, once the gospel has pretty much gone out and been a witness to all the nations, and we can certainly say that it's happened in the world today, uh, as the gospel has gone out, particularly in the last couple of hundred years, to all the nations of the world. And you would find it very, very difficult to go anywhere on the face of this planet and not come across people who have heard about the Bible or the Bible has been uh, uh, put, uh, put there in their country, or they've heard about some of these things from various missionaries and the like. Uh, not always in a perfect sense, but nevertheless the basic message is there and people have been able to uh, look into it. It's been a witness against them. In verse 10 it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. So that, that long suffering is not forever suffering. It comes to an end. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Uh, a thief in the night, you know, the sort of thieves that it was talking about in Bible days were raiders. They were people that, who would attack at night, attack the village, or attack the, the city or attack the um, uh, your homes or the tents and that sort of thing. And uh, it would be sudden, it would be unexpected, it would be with the element of surprise but it wouldn't be a quiet thing where they'd sort of sneak in your tent and uh, pinch your, your wedding ring out of your jewel box or something and then sneak off again and you'd wake up uh, maybe the next day or three months later and think, oh, what happened to that wedding ring? It's not going to be like that. It's going to be, as the lightning goes from the east to the west, uh, it's going to be an, a sudden um, attack, if you like. It's going to be a sudden uh, commotion. So, as it says, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth and the works therein shall be burned up. So, something that's very, very uh, obvious to all. So, the scripture says, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Again, 
because these things are going to happen, we should watch and be ready, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, whereon the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, uh, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent, that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. And um, again, recognise that the long-suffering of our Lord is uh, to our benefit, to our salvation, to those who will listen. Um, <clears throat> so I was going to have a look at a few other thoughts. We've run out of time, but... Um, just uh, the basic thought is that when Jesus comes back, that he is, again, he is setting up the order upon the earth because the future of the world is such that God comes back into union with mankind. God was in union with mankind to begin with, but man walked away from these things. And because the world became a tainted and corrupted place, there has not been that union. But the Lord promises that um, through the work of Jesus Christ and what he did in his first coming and his second coming, he will bring all things into line with the will of God, both in heaven and in earth. And uh, when Jesus Christ, as the mediator, uh, brings all things uh, into subjection to the throne of God, it says, he will then open up the way for the Lord, his Father, to dwell in union with mankind. Um, the Lord's not going to dwell amongst mankind when there is iniquity and when there is unholiness. And so we see a lot of trouble and we see a lot of destruction, a lot of horrible things happen in this world because God's presence is not here with us unless he has come to dwell within us individually. And uh, again, for the world's sake, the Lord is going to cleanse this world and he is going to make it possible that then he can hand the kingdom over to the Father and uh, we might be reconciled together with him or brought into union with God again. Um, <clears throat> I'll just read you from Second Corinthians. It says, um, <clears throat> Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, and not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So he wanted to bring the world back into union with himself. He did so through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ as the mediator is the one who is bringing about, both through his sacrifice and also through his ruling and reigning upon this earth when he returns, he is bringing the world back into union with the Father. And it says that just as Jesus Christ um, is doing this, he has also committed to us the word of reconciliation. We are those who preach the gospel of reconciliation. We preach that God wants to be in union, not only with the individual, but with the world as a whole. And it says, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So that is our job. We have been given the task of, of giving uh, as an ambassador for Christ in God's stead, in a sense, in Christ's stead, he says. We now go out with the Holy Spirit, with the Spirit of Christ, and we pray people that they might be reconciled with God, that they might come back into union with God. One way or the other, 
um, this world will be in union again with God, and we want to, of course, be in union with him before that happens when he does it by force and uh, when he uh, changes the world completely. So these things are very real. They're, they're very real, very soon going to happen, and uh, we need to be ready for them. More people said...